Good morning, church family. I'm so glad that you're here this Sunday. Uh, I'm really excited about this message. Uh, I actually was thinking about this. Um, if you're anything like me, uh, you hear some of these stories that are being written or talked about, or maybe scrolled through um, about, uh, oh, the, the financial markets right now are in turmoil, or, oh man, I'm just feeling the squeeze of inflation, or, or all of those different things. And uh, so it, get, it can get on your mind like, oh man, things aren't good. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, I, I want to make sure as a church that we, we have a frame of reference when it comes to finances that, that's from God and not from some other people, not from a government or not from an uh, economist or not from somebody who wrote a post. But I, I want all of us to have the frame of reference when it comes to our finances that God sees. And, and when that happens, I really believe that peace will fill your heart, peace will fill my heart, and, and we're going to be able to be the generous church that we that we want to be. And so I, I actually uh, saw this message a while ago and I was wondering, oh man, how could I uh, make sure that this uh, becomes a message for our church? And so this morning, this is the message. It's going to be incredible. Pastor Robert Morris is a, a legend. He pastors an incredible church in Dallas. And so I want you to get your notes out, get ready to take some notes. This is going to be super applicable to all of us that we can have the right frame of mind when it comes to uh, to finances and how God views those for all of us. So get ready. It's going to be awesome. Uh, let's jump in right now. Turn to two passages, please. Malachi chapter 3, last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, and then 2 Chronicles 31. We'll go over there in a moment. And we're going to go through a lot of scripture in this message. Uh, and I want to show you that tithing is scriptural. And it is in God's word. So Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. This is where we'll start. Malachi 3, 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. That's very important. I don't change. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Now, I think that's humorous. He says, I don't change. That's why I haven't killed you yet, uh, personally. That's what I think he's saying there. I was nice, and I'm still nice, all right? Verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Now, we're going to come back to that word ordinance. What does it mean? And have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now, before we read verse 8, let me just remind you, this is God talking. This is God, the God who does not change. This is the God who does not change talking. He said, you, you, you go away from my ordinances. I, I just need to probably tell you, the word ordinance means a principle of ordinary behavior. You've gone away from my principles of ordinary behavior for, for God's children. And they say, well, in what way? Now, I want you to notice this because this next verse, a preacher didn't make this up. Okay, this is God speaking. Verse 8, will a man rob God? Or steal from God. Yet you have robbed me. You've stolen from me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Now watch again. This is God talking. In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. 
bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That would be the church. That there may be food in my house. Again, that's the church. And try, the, the old King James uses the word prove. Uh, the English Standard Version uses the word test. Test me now in this, says, says the Lord of hosts. I just want you to notice how many times he puts says the Lord of hosts so we remember who's talking here. The one who can't change is talking. Test me, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Uh, This is God talking, and this is the God who can't change. You have to remember that. And he says, you've gone away from my ordinances. You've gone away from my ordinary principles of behavior. Uh, Tithing is an ordinary principle of behavior for God's children to thank God for their income, for their harvest, for their increase. That's an ordinary principle. And he said, because you've gone away from my ordinary principles, you're under a curse now. And you need to understand, so many times we say, well, Christians can't be under a curse because Christ bore the curse of the law on the cross. He did. That is in regards to our salvation. But are you saying then that you can live any way you want and, and it doesn't affect you? Is that what you're saying? Because that's, that's just crazy to think that way. See, see uh, the, if, we, if we steal, there are consequences. A curse is a consequence. If you steal, there's a consequence. What if you steal from God? And, and so many people say, well, yeah, but the, the, the Lord owns it all. Yes, but he actually gives us stewardship over it, but he reserves 10% for himself. That's why he says you've stolen, because he says, I have set apart the tithe for the house of God. So if you keep it, you're stealing it. And this word is also used in Joshua 6 and 7, when they took the tithe, they were supposed to bring, he said, Israel has stolen, stolen. And again, please, please hear me. I, I didn't make these words up. These are strong words. God says, you've stolen from me. You've robbed me. And because of that, you're under a curse. And I don't want you under a curse. I don't want you living under a curse. But you're voluntarily placing yourself under a curse because you're going away from my ordinary principles of behavior. And so I had a conversation with the Lord one time. And I said, Lord, uh, uh, the number one reason that I hear that people don't tithe is they say, well, that's in the Old Testament. That's in the Old Testament. And so I said to the Lord, um, you know, Lord, you put this in Malachi 3, and then there's Malachi 4, and then Matthew 1. Couldn't you have just waited? <laughs> I mean, just a little while? I mean, that you know, these verses only miss the New Testament by like 15 verses. I mean, couldn't you just waited just a little while and put it, you know what the Lord said? To him, I just felt in my spirit, he said, I put it right where I wanted it. And the reason is, here's point number one, Because tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. See, God is testing our hearts. Even when a person argues about tithing, I think to myself, what is the spirit behind this? Why would this person argue when God gave his son for you and you won't even give him 10%? Why would you argue about this? It's amazing to me. I'm telling you, it's a test of your heart. It's a test. Now, uh, I, here's why I believe uh, he chose 10%. By the way, the word tithe uh, is a Hebrew word, uh, ma'ashra, 
is the Hebrew word, and it means tenth part or 10%, tenth part, tenth. Okay, so that's where we, we get this from that we know it's 10%. Okay. Here's why I think he chose 10%. First of all, I think he chose a percentage because it's fair to everyone. It doesn't matter if you make 30000 or 300000 It's a penny on every dime. It's the same for every person. Uh, but here's the reason I think he chose 10. Because for some reason, many times when you see the number 10 in the Bible, it represents testing. You'll actually see the word test with it. Uh, for instance, let me, let's, let's take a little test, all right? I'm going to ask, ask you a question, and I want you to answer me uh, out loud, uh, all the campuses, all the churches, just say your answer out loud, all right? Here's the first question. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten, Ten right? Now, I could have said it a different way. I could have said, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Because that's what he did, but we're familiar with how many plagues there were, all right? Here's the second question. How many commandments are there? Ten, Ten okay? Um, now, I'm going to ask another question, and you might not know this, but there's a, a pattern here, okay? And this is in Numbers 14 where God actually says this. You can read it later, all right? But, and then I want you to say your answer just a little louder, okay? Uh, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? That's correct. All right. How many times, again, you might not know this, but okay. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. God was testing his heart. How many days was Daniel tested? How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? How many disciples were there? No, there were 12. I was just testing you. I was just, just, I was just testing you. So tithing is a test. And, but here's something that you might not know. It's a two-way test. God not only tests you, but this is the only place in Scripture that I've found where God says, you can test me. Test me. This word try, that is sometimes translated test or prove, uh, it comes from uh, the way you test a metal, the way you test gold to see if it's pure. You know what God is saying? Test me to see if I'm pure. I want you to. I want you to see because I want to open the windows of heaven. I want to bless you. I want to rebuke the devourer for you. But it depends on whether you're going to thank me and worship me and walk in faith and whether you're going to believe that 90% with God's blessing will go farther than 100% without. And you open an area of faith when we do this. All right, here's number two. Number one, tithing is a test. Here's number two. Tithing is biblical. Biblical. You need to know that it's biblical. There are a lot of people that, that don't tithe. And, and here's really, you're, you're not a bad person if you don't tithe. You're not a bad person. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. Not at all. You're not a rebellious person. But a lot of people don't really believe it's in the Bible. They don't really believe it's for us today. So let me show you some scriptures, all right? We'll get to 2 Chronicles 31 in a moment. Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, Salem means peace, brought out bread and wine. There's a representation of, of communion, even in the Old Testament. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him, now that's talking about Abram, Abraham, Abram, and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Now watch this. And he, that's Abram, Abraham, gave him, that's Melchizedek, a tithe of all. Okay. You, you need to know, if you don't know this theologically, this is about 
hundred years before the law. And Galatians says Abraham's our spiritual father. And Melchizedek, Hebrews says, is a type of Christ. And many theologians believe it's actually Jesus Christ. Because it says he has no genealogy. That's what Hebrews says. No mother, no father, no, no beginning of days, no end of life. It's pretty amazing. So he, it's either Jesus himself or a type of Christ. And our spiritual father tithes, gives 10%, 500 years before the law. Look, look at Genesis 28, verse 22. This is talking about Jacob. And this stone which I've set up as a pillar shall be God's house. Again, an implication that the tithe goes to God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This is about 400 years before the law. Leviticus 27, 30. And all the tithe of the land, all of it, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. In other words, it belongs to God. It is holy to the Lord. Remember the word holy means set apart. God has set it apart for him. That's the only reason he could say, you're stealing from me. Because I set that apart for my house, and if you keep it, then you're stealing it. Uh, Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 and 2. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first... I'll show you next week in just a moment and later down in this passage how that refers to the tithe. First, of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from the land that the Lord your God is giving you and you put it in a basket. Now watch this. And go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Again, referring to church. Where you go to, you go to church. You go to a place where the Lord chooses to make his name abide. Then look at verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe. In other words, the set apart 10%. The holy tithe from my house and have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fathers, and the widow. He, he directed where the tithe was to go. According to all your commandments which you have commanded me, I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning. I didn't use some of the tithe when I went through a difficult time. Nor have I removed any of it for any unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. I've removed the holy set apart tenth part from, from my house and I've given it, brought it to your house, Lord. And now, he says, you, after you do that, you can pray this prayer. Look down from heaven and bless your servant. Okay, let me ask you a question, all right? If Jesus said it, that you ought to tithe, would you do it? You want to see the verse? Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is speaking. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe, 10%, of mint, anise, and cumin. Those are spices, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Watch very carefully. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Okay, here's what Jesus said. You guys give tithes, not only of your first fruits, but you even give tithes of the spices that you're gonna put on your food but you've neglected justice, mercy, and faith. 
Then Jesus says, you ought to do that. You ought to do that. But don't leave the other undone. That's Jesus. You tithe, but you don't do this. You ought to do that. But don't leave this undone. Or you ought to do those things, but don't leave that undone. Either way. Okay, Hebrews talks about, again, Melchizedek and Jesus and how mortal men receive tithes on this earth. But let me show you what Hebrews says. Talking about Jesus is our Melchizedek. Watch this, Hebrews 7, verse 8. Here, mortal men receives, receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witness that he lives. Listen, you put your tithe in a plate or offering bag or basket, however it is that you give your tithe. Mortal men, take care of it, manage it, things like that. But listen, in heaven, he receives it, of whom it is witnessed, he lives. Jesus Christ receives my tithes. That makes me want to tithe. So, uh, it is biblical, and here's number three. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. Okay, so let me tell you about Second uh, Chronicles 31 now. We're going to read there. So if you put a marker there at Second Chronicles 31. Hezekiah one day is reading the scriptures. And he sees these verses about tithing. And they're in an economic recession. And he realizes we're under a curse. The whole nation. Because we're not tithing. We're, we're stealing from God. So that's where we pick up this story. Second Chronicles 31 verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Now, just, one, just, just stop for just a moment. Um, remember, Malachi said, bring the tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And again, they were talking about natural food. But think about it today, spiritual food. Right, let me just ask you something, all right? When you, when you come to church, do you enjoy the food, the spiritual food that you get? Do you enjoy it? Okay, someone's paying for it. Okay, let me, so let me ask you a question. Let me just put it in a, talking about food here, let me give you an analogy. Would any of you here go to a restaurant, eat a meal, and then leave without paying for it? Any of you? Some Christians do that every week. I go to church, eat a meal, and skip out on the check. Here's, here's the sad thing. You're the one that's hurting. I, I don't preach on tithing because the church needs money. We're, we're, we're doing fine financially. I promise you, I'm doing this to help you. This will change your life, your family, your finances, your marriage, your children, your grandchildren. This will change you, I promise you. All right, so he puts out, he says, everyone needs to bring the tithe to the house of God. Now, look at verse five. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits. Again, I'll show you next week how that relates to the tithe. Of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe 
of everything. There it is right there showing you it's the tithe. And the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah brought the tithe of oxen and sheep. Also the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid in heaps. In the third month they begin laying them in heaps and they finished in the seventh month. Now these months relate to the harvest. Okay, And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, again, the tithe always comes, goes to the house of God, we had had enough to eat and have plenty left for the Lord has blessed his people. And what is left is this great abundance. Okay, here's what happens. Uh, the, the king sends out the, this uh, commandment and says, we're, we're supposed to be tithing to the house of God. So the people begin doing it. They begin in the third month, which is a harvest time. But then there's another harvest, the seventh month. And they continue through that time. And, and so when the king comes to visit and he sees these heaps, heaps that the people brought to the house of God, here, here's what in essence he says. It says he questioned them about the heaps. Here's what he's saying. Are the people okay? Are they okay? I mean, look, look how much they've given. Or do they have enough left? And the priest said, oh, king, as soon as the people started to do it God's way, God so blessed them. What you're seeing here is just the 10%. If you think there are heaps here, go look at the 90%. Go look at how God blessed his people when they begin obeying his word. Uh, I've been in ministry now for over 30 years. I've heard two testimonies for that time about tithing, consistent testimonies. You know, scripture says in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Okay, here are the two testimonies people have said to me. Tithers consistently have said to me, we are so blessed. Boy, it all changed when we begin tithing. We are so blessed, Pastor Robert. We are so blessed. That's what tithers have said. Here's what non-tithers have said. I can't afford to tithe. That's their testimony. I can't afford to tithe. And, and again, not me, not rebellious people, just I can't afford to tithe. Listen to me. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing is what breaks the curse and rebukes the devourer. As soon as you start to get ahead, something else will break. Because the devourer. But tithing is what rebukes him. Think about this. Jesus said, I'm going away for a while. Is that right? I'm going away, but I'm coming back. But while I'm gone, I want you to take care of my wife. 10%. You can keep the 90. Um, let me just, just remind you, is the church the bride of Christ? Okay, listen to me very carefully. Tithing might be more personal to Jesus than what you thought. Because it's his wife. He has the power, and if you say, well, I can't believe you just take it away and give it to the others. If you don't think Jesus would do that, read the parable of the talents. When he took from the one that wasn't faithful and gave it to the one who was faithful. He wants to provide for you. But why would he provide and bless people who will not 
even be concerned about his wife. It's a test, and it's very important we pass this test. Man, uh, I love this message so much. I love the focus that it has on making sure that we, we care about God's church, that making sure that we have the right frame of mind when it comes to our finances, that we understand that tithing is a test and, and, and we want to pass that test. I, I'm believing that as we move forward uh, with this sort of message, that this is going to not just move your life forward. I, I really believe this. This is uh, gonna bring so many blessings into your life um, and, and so many things that you didn't even know were possible are going to happen because of your faithful uh, giving. But I also believe that it's going to move our church together and further and more forward as a whole. The speed that we're able to be generous is always tied to the faithful generosity of our church. So the ability to, uh, for us as a church to be more generous is always going to be tied to how we can bring the tithe into God's house. And so if we want to be more generous, if we want to see God do more things, this, this is the first test that we have to pass. And, and I believe that so many of us um, want to rise to the challenge of that. And I know some, some of us might be feeling like, wow, I just... This is the first time I've heard of this, or uh, I, I've never really thought about doing this before. I, I want to let you know that I, I'm praying for you, that God gives you courage, that God gives you strength, and that God gives you the, the wherewithal to say, okay, we're going to step into this, and we're going to see God do a miracle in, in our finances and in uh, the church as a whole. I, I'm, I'm so excited about this, and I believe that this is an incredible message to, uh, to kind of give us this springboard uh, into this next season as a church family.